All right, uh, get your Bible really quickly. Turn with me to two passages of Scripture, Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians 10. And today I'm starting a new series of messages that I am, I've been so burdened about for a while and I am so passionate about it. In fact, I was sharing with the staff. And when I get, let me, I may need to explain something to y'all that maybe you don't know. Um, I'm passionate and I love making a point. And sometimes people are like, are you angry? No, I'm passionate. Okay. And sometimes it's hard to tell. Let me explain. This is me being passionate. You know, this is me angry. Hey, I'm really upset. It's really weird. I know I'm strange, but I just don't, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, but I get so passionate, but I'm so passionate today because we're launching this series of messages that I called Mind Control. Mind Control. And we're going to be talking about, um, there's, and I thank God there's a lot of people talking about this in the body of Christ, but we're talking not just, I'm coming at it a little differently because that's the way I am. I have to come at it from my angle. But um, there is just a pandemic in the world today that has to do with our minds, um, with anxiety, depression, suicide. Um, and, and, and I want to come at it from a renewing the mind. So if you're like, well, I don't struggle with those things. I can help you, Leroy. All right. The message will still apply to you. But I have been so burdened um, about this because I feel like, um, I just felt like the Lord spoke to me some things and I feel like the Satan is stealing generations from us and he's doing it in the mind. Um, did you know that, that, um, suicide is the second leading cause of death from, uh, for people in the United States ages 10 to 34, second leading cause of death. Um, the number one reason for disability in the United States is mental illness. And um, there are actually twice as many suicides per year as homicides. And, and so, and I know that sounds like bad news. We'll get to the good news. But my point is the enemy is at work. The enemy is at work. And I remember, um, I remember several uh, I don't remember, it was a couple months ago, we were in prayer on a Saturday, and I, I just, um, I'd had a, oh, it was right after our birthday. So after our birthday, God moves in a powerful way. People start getting healed just in a crazy way. Um, just, and by that, I mean, we weren't doing healing lines or fasting and praying. I mean, we fast and pray all the time around here, but I mean, if, the, if we don't do anything, we're going to pray around here. You know what I'm saying? Like our most important meeting is Saturday at nine o'clock. This is just the icing for the cake we had yesterday. Are you with me? Um, and usually, I don't mean our, our weekend experiences are amazing. Our prayer experiences are actually more powerful if you're just about the presence of God. So anyways, um, and so, but, I, but we had a great weekend. God moved. It was powerful. And that Monday I woke up with all these crazy negative thoughts like resigning, running away. Now, let me clarify by saying, this is normal if you're a pastor, okay? This is normal. So if you're like, oh my God, he's losing his mind. No, 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 no. I lost a long time ago and I've been better ever since, okay? And so, um, no, it's not that. It's, it's that I had all these negative and kind of crazy thoughts. And for me, they start the moment I walk off the platform on a Sunday. 
But I'm used to it. In fact, one of our elders, when we, were, when we had our speaking team for Freedom Weekend, Freedom Conference, he said, did you warn them about the spiritual warfare? And I'm like, I'm a horrible pastor. I did not warn them. Because if you're not used to it, you don't see it coming. But me, I know when I step off this platform, here comes the enemy. You shouldn't have said this, and people are going to think you're crazy, and you should have said this, and you probably offended these people. And then if that's not enough, he's going to make sure some dear saint of God meets me in the lobby to critique my message and let me know I misquoted a scripture or I gave the wrong reference, and you don't already know I'm fighting hell just to get to the lobby because this is what Satan and I do because this is his job and this is my job, right? And so all the way to the lobby, I have to remind him and me that, no, I, I, you know, if I mess it up, Holy Spirit will fix it. I'm just trying to do my best, right? And so, and so anyways... I was having that week, and I remember we were in prayer, and I, 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 I knew, I started praying. I'm like, if this is how the enemy is attacking me, he's attacking everybody else this way. They're, I'm not the only one that he does this too, right? And I stood up in prayer, I had a word, and the word was, you're not crazy, it's the devil. But I think there's a lot of people, you think you're losing your mind, and you are not losing your mind. You just have a stealthy, secret undercover enemy who is attacking you. And the reason I'm doing this series is I feel like I'm going to pull the curtain back and you're going to see the demon behind the curtain that is messing with your mind. And I'm not planning to give you coping strategies. I'm planning to give you freedom. Are you understanding? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I feel like just as what the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning, just as I've been healing bodies supernaturally at Pathway, I'm going to start healing minds supernaturally at Pathway. I feel like it's exactly what he woke me up with this morning. I've been so pumped to get here. I just want to get here and I just want to preach. So let me give you all my disclaimers, right? This is so the devil will have less to beat me up with. All right. When I walk off this platform, let me give you my disclaimers because when we're talking about mental issues, when we're talking about mental illness in the church, we got to overcome some things. Number one, we got to overcome that mental illness is a sign of weakness, that, that struggling in your mind is a sign of weakness. I'm going to show you today, everybody struggles in their mind. Everybody struggles in your mind. It's not a sign of weakness. The next thing is um, <laughs> mental issues does not mean you're not spiritual. And it doesn't mean that you're in sin. Isn't it crazy? In the, in the body of Christ, someone can have cancer. We're like, we're going to fast. We're going to pray. God wants to heal. Them. Somebody's like, I'm depressed. And we're like, I wonder what they've been doing. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that is, that is a tactic of the enemy that we got to get over the fact you can be very spiritual. Listen, some of the most spiritual people in the Bible, like, do, do you forget about the suicidal prophet Elijah? One of the most powerful men in the Bible who prayed that God would kill him. So if you, if you have ever had a bad day, you're in good company, all right? So, I mean, because I walk you through the Bible, some of the people that struggled with some of the things that we struggle with, anxiety, like, you know what I'm saying? And so let me just say, if you're struggling, we're going to take the shame off immediately because the enemy keeps you cloaked in shame because he knows isolation will increase your pain. Come on, that rhymes and it's a word of God. He will keep you cloaked in shame because he knows isolation will increase your pain. And so we're going to remove the shame. You're going to come out of isolation. You're going to get healed to understand that you're not less of a person. There's not something wrong with you. Listen, we wouldn't think you were a bad Christian if you broke your leg. We wouldn't think you're a bad Christian if you had diabetes. And I don't think you're a bad Christian if you have anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideation. I don't, I don't think that's a sign of weakness or a lack of spirituality. I think it's a sign that the devil is the devil. 
So I want to do that. And the next thing I want to tell you is, um, and I just felt like this because sometimes in the church, we should all over people all the time. And you should, and you should, you know, we just should on them. And, and I want to, before, before you, I, w- I, want to, I want to level the playing field because I have in my life, and that's not where I'm at today, God's done incredible work, but I've struggled with anxiety, I've struggled with depression, I've struggled with suicidal ideation, all right? I've struggled with all that. Um, and if you're sitting here like, oh my God, I can't listen to him. I'm, listen, you want to listen to me because I've been there. I know what it is to struggle and I know what it is to win. Um, and I can tell you today, today I don't struggle. I'm not anxious. Like I'm living my best life. I'm like really happy. I'm not the least bit depressed. I've, I don't think about harming myself at all. I've never harmed myself, anything like that, but I don't even think about it at all. Um, for me, I went through a season where I was dealing with a lot. I went through a season, honestly, where I was at war with a Jezebel spirit. And, uh, if you don't believe in that, then I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, so a lot of what I dealt with was spiritual and until you can find the right enemy, come on somebody, you can't have the right victory. And so, um, and so I dealt with, so here's what I want you to understand, because I want to teach this message, not from a, you should, but from a me too. I want to have the voice of not you should, like some man with a Bible telling you what you should do. I want to tell you, hey, me too. So all I did in this series is just tell you what worked for me. What worked for me. So now that kind of changes the texture of it, doesn't it? So, and I know people like the Emmys already telling people are going to get a clip of this and be talking about you're mentally unstable and I'm not mentally unstable. You can talk to my counselor. The elders have. I'm like, I'm like the best I've ever, honestly, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Like I'm doing the best I've ever done. Um, I'm living my best life. Hashtag it. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, <laughs> but I just want you to understand I've dealt with that and uh, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it feels like. I also know how hopeless it feels. I also know what it does to you. And so I've, so I've dealt with that. So I just want you to understand. Also, um, I'm going to do some messages, but I won't be able to cover everything. And so I'm going to put some bonus stuff about anxiety that I did a while back. I'll probably have them run that on my social media. Um, but also, if you have a question you want me to answer, I'll try to answer all the questions via social media. So if you have a question, you can email me at pastormarty at pathway.team, pastormarty at pathway.team, or you can shoot me a DM on social media, or you can put a note and give it to a staff person, put an offering box or something like that. But if I get questions, I just, my thing is I'm so, I just want to help you. So if you have a question I'm not answering, I'll answer it for you. Does that make sense? Because I just want to help every way that I can. And so, um, so that kind of gets us set up for Ephesians chapter six. If you're there, um, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Notice, notice this, that God never asks you to be strong in yourself. If you want to lose, try to be strong in yourself. He wants you to be strong in him. In fact, he said, Paul said, in your weakness, that's where God is strong. Right? Sometimes to see the strength of God, you have to embrace your weakness. Um, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against... Uh, the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of, of evil in heavenly places. So take up the whole armor of God. There's a lot I want to say, um, 
on this, but this is, Paul is just giving us imagery to help us understand. And I know a lot of people, you know, and I've heard people, you know, every morning I get up, I put on my helmet and I think that that's good, but it's the revelation that has power, not, not the figurative language. Do you understand what I just said? He's given us a picture, but the figurative language, like saying, Lord, today I put on my helmet. If you, if you really don't understand what it is to have your mind covered in the salvation of God, then, then it's, it may not be helping you. So go for the revelation, not just the figurative language. Does that make sense? Um, let's see, where was I? There, this, don't wrestle against flesh and blood yet. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That's where we're at, verse 13. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Stand therefore, and here he goes into this armor, having, your, ha- having fastened the belt of truth, um, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up. Now, this, verse 16 is what I'm going to deal with today, but I'm going to come at it from an angle you've never heard it before because I've never heard it. In fact, I had to do a lot of research to make sure I wasn't harming the text by what I'm about to tell you, but the bottom line is I'm not. So praise Jesus. <clears throat> In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So, so what we need to pull out of what I just read is there are some fiery darts there are fiery darts. I'm going to talk about that today, okay? Fiery darts. But I need to know what fiery darts are. Luckily, the Word of God always interprets the Word of God for me, right? Do you believe that? And so what Paul's talking about, he's going through this, this armor, and he talks about schemes of the enemy and strategies of the enemy, but then he gives us one, and it's fiery darts, Now, he doesn't give us any others, but he gives us fiery darts. So I want to know, Paul is saying there are fiery darts a-coming. So since I'm going to encounter fiery darts, or they're going to encounter me, I want to know what they are. So luckily, Paul wrote to the Corinthians as well. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, verse 5, it says, For we don't walk in the flesh, and we are not waging war according to the flesh. So we're talking about a warfare. What was Ephesians 6 talking about a war? It was talking about warfare. Right? You don't need armor if things are peaceful. You don't need armor if no one's shooting at you. So he's like, hey, we're in a war for the weapons. Now we're talking about weapons. What was Ephesians talking about? Armor and weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And this is where we go. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So here Paul's talking again about a war and about weapons and about a warfare. And he said, here's the warfare thoughts. So what are fiery darts? Thoughts. What are fiery darts? Thoughts. All right, today I call this message, the devil in your head. The devil in your head. Let's pray together. Jesus, help us to be efficient and thorough. Most importantly, help us not to miss anything that you want to say to us today. God, we want to receive it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, John said this, above all, prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. I want you to look at that. Prosper, that's success. God wants you to be successful. He just wants you to be successful based on his design, calling, and purpose, not based on what you want, but he wants you to be successful. So above all, you know, I pray that you prosper and be in health. God wants you healthy. So he wants you successful and healthy. But then John says this, as your soul prospers. So what I want to submit to you is the health of my soul determines the health of my body and the success that I can have. I can't have health, a healthy body with sick thoughts. And I can't have a victorious life with victimized thinking. And so the barometer of what I'm going to be able to do and accomplish in my life as far as in my own health and as far as in my own success is largely going to come from the way that I think. When Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinks, I think we miss that, that it says as a man because we think, you know, a man thinks about. It's not telling us what we think about. He's saying it's the way that you think, not what you think about. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way that I think determines how I am, not what I think about. Are you with me? So, so the great thing about the renewing of our mind is it gives us a different way to think, which is what I really want to talk about today, because I can't live a victorious life with victimized thinking. I can't live a free life with thoughts that are bound. This is just not how it works. And so the enemy is in your, the devil is in your head. Uh, I never forget that word that I gave was, you're not crazy, it's the devil. And, and immediately I had people tell me that word was for me. And I knew it was because it, the word was for me too. I'm not, I wasn't, I know I wasn't crazy. I've got papers and evaluations to prove I'm not crazy. Like I'm a card carrying sane person. You know what I'm saying? I knew I wasn't crazy, but those were crazy thoughts. They were crazy thoughts. Now me, I'm used to it because I'm like, well, that must be the devil. He must be working today. So I want us to walk through three things I want to tell you. I want us to walk through this together um, because you understand the, de- the, the life you have today uh, was determined by the, the way you thought yesterday. And the life you're going to have tomorrow is going to be determined by the way you're going to think today. So if, I, if, if the Holy Spirit can change the way we think today, He'll change our life tomorrow. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So that's what we're going after today. So three things. Number one, you need to understand this. According to Paul, you are under attack. <laughs> we're going to start with some good news. <laughs> good news. Preaching that good news. Uh, but Ephesians says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. That word schemes is strategies. Here's, here's what Paul said. Satan has a strategy to defeat you. My question is, do you have a strategy to defeat him? Um, I can't remember who said it, but, but the quote was essentially, never expect peace in times of war. And my concern is there's a lot of Christians that you think you're in, like we should be expecting peace. You understand when the Bible talks about peace, it's not talking about external peace. The Bible never promises you external peace. 
It only promises you internal peace, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that you can have on the inside when everything's crazy on the outside. That's the only promise. And we keep looking for something the Bible never promised us because we keep waiting for everything around us to be peaceful. Listen, everything around you is not going to be a peaceful as long as you're in the middle of a war. And the day that you became a born again Christian, you got a whole set, a whole army against you and they have been plotting for your demise. They have strategies to defeat you. You are at war. So stop expecting external peace when you live in a war zone. Learn to have peace on the inside so that no matter what goes on on the outside, you're at peace on the inside. It's one thing to be in a storm. It's another thing to have a storm inside of you. And I can't control the storm that's out here, but I can control the storm that's in here. And so Paul's like, hey, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) You're at war. Don't expect peace when you're at war. I want to give you a million-dollar question, and if this is all you get out of this message today, I will have saved your life. It's a question that I ask myself. It took me a while to figure this question out, but I think a question is sometimes more valuable than a statement. Here's the question. If you were Satan, how would you defeat you? Yeah, that's how it hit with me, too. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Because you know you, you, you know you, 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 <laughs> you know you too. And he has been studying you since the day you were born. He is not really focused on unbelievers. He already has them, but he is focused on people that believe. And I think the most, the people that get beat up the most are the ones that are casual Christians, just saved enough to not go to hell, but you're getting the hell beat out of you here because you're not really connected to God. You're not really connected to the body, not really learning that you're in a war. In fact, I wrote this statement down. I'm going to say it two times because the Holy Spirit gave it to me, but this was the statement. Many Christians today are being destroyed in a war they have yet to engage in by an enemy they have yet to acknowledge. Many Christians are being, it's so good, I'm going to say it twice, say it louder for the people in the back. Many Christians today are being destroyed in a war they have yet to engage in by an enemy they have yet to acknowledge. And I'm telling you right now, what he's saying is you are in a war and this war is spiritual. And there's even a lot of people dealing with mental issues that you don't. And I'm going to show you today that mental issues um, actually can be remedied spiritually. And, and I'm not like I, I have count. I have a counselor. He's wonderful. Um, I thank God for him. And so I believe I think every pastor should have a counselor, honestly. <laughs> um, but um, and in our staff, somebody on our staff ever wants to go see a, a counselor. We help them with that. We support them in that. There is no shame in that. Um, and I, I think people need that. And so uh, I know I need that and I need a safe place to deal with me and what I think and to expose areas of my life. So I'm not saying that, but, but I want to understand sometimes if we're not careful, the church will adapt the coping mechanisms of the world when God has given us a deeper and more powerful remedy. So I do not want to take away coping mechanisms, but coping mechanisms deal with symptoms. God has a solution. He has healing. The promise of scripture is a sound mind, not a sick mind. I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God has promised you a sound mind, not a sick mind. And you should never accept sickness when God has promised you soundness. And so we're, we're in a war. Did you know you have three enemies? Again, this is the good news. <laughs> really, I have three enemies now. Praise the Lord. 
Um, but according to the Bible, check this out. I want to show you this. Check this out. According to the Bible, you, you have an enemy that's the world. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. In this world, the world is set against you. So you have an enemy that's the world. You have an enemy that is your flesh. Right? The flesh lusts against the spirit against the flesh. Paul said, you know, when my spirit wants to do this, my flesh wants to do this. These are set against each other. Oh, what a wretched man. You have a fleshly enemy. That's you. But then you have a spirit. So you have a natural enemy, a carnal enemy, and a spiritual enemy. And the spiritual enemy is the devil. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. No, he said you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but he didn't say you don't wrestle. Like he said, we don't wage war like the, the world, but we do wage war. Do you see what I'm saying? So you have three enemies, a natural enemy, the world, a fleshly, a carnal enemy, the flesh, and a spiritual enemy, the devil. Here's what I want you to understand. You can't win spiritual wars with natural weapons. You can't win spiritual wars with natural weapons. Do you understand the three enemies I just gave you, there's a spiritual remedy for all three? Watch this. The world, that's our natural enemy, Jesus said, hey, in this world, I have tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is spiritual. It's anchored in God. So what overcomes the world? Faith. What, what's the remedy then? Spirit. Right? Watch this. Flesh. How do I overcome the flesh? Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do I overcome the carnal enemy? Spirit. What about the devil? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Spirit. And this has been my, my biggest concern is that the body of Christ, we hold the key to healing in this area. And, and, and I don't think it's what we've been doing, but I want to be careful that we don't just give people, oh, you can cope with it. No. How about you can be delivered from it? How about you can be healed from it? How about that? How about this? You don't need suicide to end the pain because 2,000 years ago, Jesus had a crown of thorns crushed in his head so that our brains and our minds could be healed and redeemed, and you can end the pain without ending your life. How about that message? So we're, we're, in, a, we're in a war. Here's that good news. Here's the second thing is you need to understand this everything starts with a thought. Right. This is why your parents, when you flooded the bathroom or caught the drapes on fire and they picked you up and they said, what were you thinking? Because they knew everything started with a thought. And in your life, everything starts with a thought. The people at Walmart at midnight who thought that was appropriate dress to go buy milk in. That thought, that thought was there like, no, I'm good. Honey, you are not good. Listen, Linda. You're not listening to me, Linda. That is not good. That's goofy, but that is not good. Every bad decision, let me tell you something else. Every regret you have in your life is a thought. Like, like everything starts with a thought. So when Paul is talking about this warfare that we're in, and he's saying, hey, these are arguments and opinions that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, right? Notice it turns, it goes from an opinion to an argument to a thought. 
Now go back. It goes from a thought to an argument. Anyways, I don't have time to teach that. There's a progression. Like I think it, right? Then it becomes my opinion. Then I will argue to protect it. Now it's a stronghold. A stronghold is a wrong way of thinking that you will argue to protect. No, I promise God doesn't love me like everybody else. Let me tell you my story. Like it's a stronghold. It's not true, but it started as a thought turned into my opinion. Now I will argue it to my death. Right? And so it all started with thought. And so he's like, hey, these thoughts, these are fiery darts. And the dart, the way it was made, it was an arrow and it had an, a, a, a hollow shaft and a point. They would fill the hollow shaft with a, a flammable or combustible material. And then they'd put it, wrap the tip and light it on fire and shoot it. So when it impacted something, that, that liquid would hit and bust out and it would poof, blow up like that. And I thought, this is how the enemy works in our mind. He puts a little thought in there, but it spreads like wildfire. Like he puts a thought in there, but if I don't stop it, if it goes undetected, I'll start thinking it's my thought because it sounded like me because it was in my mind and it will explode and ignite and my whole brain will be on fire because of one thought. Some of you, this is what happens when they don't text you back within eight minutes. So this right here is George. Everybody say hi, George, or Jorge, or York. All right, it's all the same. This is George, but I wanted you to see this because George, George is just, George is just. I will do anything to make my point. You understand what I'm saying? George is just going through life like he's having a good day. He wakes up and it's like, you know what? Today's gonna be a good day. You know, and then, you know, he looks on Instagram and he sees that, you know, his ex-girlfriend is laying out on a beach in Tulum and, and he immediately thinks, God hates me. Obviously, she's the favorite and I'm not because I broke up with her and I've got to go to work today, but she's having this incredible vacation. And he's going, you're just going through life. And I mean, then, then things, I wrote some now that will be fun. Like everybody's life is better than mine because I look at social media. Now George looks like an alien. Nanu, nanu. Anyways, um, so when I'm not allowed to have toys, okay? Uh, I'll never be happy unless um, God doesn't really care about me. Um, you know, really honestly. I think it, it, would, it would all be better if I just ended my life. I mean, we're just going through life, man, just, just trying to survive nine to five, whatever. Or I love this one. Oh, it's just one night. <laughs> that one hit hard, didn't it? What y'all been doing last night? Um, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Oh, it's okay. God will forgive you after it's over. I love this one too. Um, I deserve to feel this way. Or I deserve to be happy. <laughs> this is looking like a bad hairdo. Um, I should have done a mohawk. Or if, if it were really wrong, I wouldn't feel this way. And this is how some people are going through life. And their brain is on fire. Because they have been hit with a dart 
and they don't even know it. They really think that's how it is, right? Like one of the reasons we have so much depression, anxiety is social media for a lot of reasons. Number one, um, social media is not really connection and you were created for connection, but a like and a comment is not connection. Do you understand media? It comes from the word median, meaning there's something in the middle. So social media is the thing between you and the other people. So you're not connected to them. You're connected to social media. And social media doesn't give you life. Being connected to the body, being connected to people gives you life. And so unfortunately, we've, we've bought into a lie that I'm well connected because I'm on social media. You're not connected. You're connected to a computer. That's not real life. That's not how real life looks. Do you understand? Like everybody, last year we took family pictures and everybody's like, your pictures are so great. What we didn't take a picture of is when Milo ran off and Briggs had to chase him around the lake for 30 minutes. We didn't take a picture of that. That wasn't going to make a great family picture. So we used the other pictures and photoshopped them. So we looked wonderful. No, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like social media is not really real. That's where we put our best life on there because we don't post the fight we had with a, a loved one or, or a husband or a wife. We don't post when our kid told us that they don't want to listen to us anymore. We don't make a post like today, little Johnny told me I'm the devil. We don't put that on social media. And so you got to understand that stuff's not real. It's not real life and it's not real connection. But when you keep comparing your real life to everybody's highlight real, you're going to stay depressed. I'm not against it. You just need to understand. I got off social media for two and a half years because I was struggling with comparison. And I just decided, you know what? This isn't good for me. Like there's nothing against social. I didn't go on to like ban social media you know, or whatever they call, you know, like everybody get off Facebook or Meta or whatever we're going to call it now. No, it was like, no, for me, it's, I just don't need to be on this right now. Right. I'm on today. I'm doing great. I don't compare Like I understand, like, you know what I'm saying? But you gotta, you gotta know where you're at in life. Everything's not always good for everybody. I feel like I'm helping so many people today. Okay. Let me explain Satan's strategy. Everything in this life you struggle with was created by God. Didn't think about that, did you? Um, if you struggle with a substance, God created the substance. Whether it's, you know, whether it's corn. <laughs> you know, come on, Luke Bryan. Rain makes corn. Corn makes whiskey. Um, <laughs> we won't go on the rest of that because it's a relationship series. Because whiskey, whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. We, that's a different series. <laughs> Y'all behave. All right, so, but, but everything, the enemy, like, you know, like sex, sexual addiction, all that kind of stuff. God invented sex. God thinks it's good. He just thinks it's so good and powerful, it's only safe in one context. Like, it's incredible, right? I mean, but it's only incredible in one, otherwise you get brokenness. It turns, in, it turns into a, a dumpster fire in other contexts. But in the right context, it's amazing, right? It's like when they do nuclear fission and nuclear fusion, you know what I'm saying? They only do those in certain places because if you did that in your garage, we'd never see you again, right? So <laughs> this is just bonus material. <laughs> it won't be in the 11, but you guys are so lucky. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
So, so, but, but, but everything is created, God created, but the enemy, like God put the tree that killed Adam and Eve in the garden and it was created on purpose because Adam and Eve needed to be able to choose God or not choose God because God made them powerful and choice is how we express the power of our individuality, right? But just because we have that power, again, in the wrong context, used the wrong way, we will destroy ourselves with our own choices. That's why we surrender our will to God, right? We surrender our being to God. So the way the enemy worked with Adam and Eve and the way he works in your life is he gets you to use your will against you. The enemy did not force feed Adam and Eve the, 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 the fruit of the tree. They took it. He just, here's, here's what he did. Check this out. He did this. Did God really say? Oh, God knows that the moment you eat that tree, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. All he did was hit him with a dart. All he did, because that's all he could do. And he hit him with this dart. And that dart, once it got in there, they started thinking God's withholding. God's not good. Anxiety set in. Fear set in. What if there's something else? Like, come on, where's your anxiety? Where's my anxiety FOMO people? Like, I'm missing out on something. I don't know what it is, but what if I am? Like, we have a fear of possibly, fearfully, potentially missing out on something. (laughs) And all he did was put that thought in there and they misaligned because the purpose of our will is not to choose good and evil. Look, God didn't say there's a, a, a tree with good, the, the, the knowledge of good and a tree with the knowledge of evil. He said, no, the tree of the knowledge and evil is one fruit and the tree of life. So all he did was get them to use their will to pick being their own source over letting God be their source. I'll decide what's right and wrong for me. How about, no, I'll choose God and let him give life and I'll be obedient to him. But all he did was he put a thought in their head that caused them to use their own will against themselves. And he took them captive. He can take you captive with a thought. I think he's telling a lot of people, you have, you have a disorder. Listen, Please do not get on Google to try to determine if you have a mental illness or disorder. Please don't do that. I think they, they said Gen, Gen Z is the most uh, uh, mentally like attuned, emotionally attuned generation we've ever seen. But I think it's like they're, they're the most um, mentally and emotionally bombarded generation we've ever seen. Because I didn't grow up with all the social media and YouTube and 24-hour news. I mean, 24-hour news is enough to make you anxious. Come on, whether your drug of choice is CNN or your drug of choice is Fox News, it's all going to end in anxiety because the way the news makes money is to make you anxious. I don't know if you've caught on. That's their whole game here is if I keep you scared, I can make money because you'll have to tune in because I become your source. No, Fox, CNN, you're not my source. Jesus is my source. I think I'll, I think I'll tune in to the Word of God today and see what the promise of the Word of God is. I mean, there's a lot. And then another thing, you know, hey, listen, people, well, I have an anxiety disorder. Let me just, I, I'm going to probably say this again, but let me just say it in case you don't ever come back. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, if you're staying up all night playing video games and drinking eight energy drinks a day and 14 cups of cold brew, you don't have an anxiety problem. You got a diet and sleep problem. That, anybody's going to be jittery with that much caffeine and that little sleep. Like go to bed, drink some water. 
But I think there's a lot of people out there and they're diagnosing themselves with things that they don't have. And I think the enemy is the one saying, I bet you have. I bet you have. Oh, I bet I have. Oh, I bet this is me too. Oh, no. and I'm just saying, you're not crazy. It's the devil in your head, man. The devil's in your head. Do you remember Israel? Let me give you one. Israel um, in Numbers 13, when they sent, they took 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb and the unnamed. <laughs> There's a sermon in that. Because the 10 that voted to not go in the promised land, we got to look up their names, right? It's kind of like critics of revival. Nobody remembers a critic of revival. <laughs> <laughs> But they go in the promised land, they come back, and, and Joshua and Caleb are like, hey, the, the, there are giants, but they are bread. There are provision. Like, we, we are called, and, and we will conquer. And then the ten are like, we're all going to die. We can't go in there. There's giants. Like God didn't know. You know, there's giants, and we can't go in there. And, and this, is, this is what they said, uh, verse, Numbers 13, verse 33. It says, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. By the way, if you want to live in anxiety, live wondering or thinking about what you think others think. If you want to go down a rabbit hole that is darker than the matrix, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, then you think about, like, that is the quickest way to kill relationships. That's the quickest way to lose joy. That's the quickest way. Let me help you with something. They're not thinking about you. Let me just help you with that. They are not thinking about you. And you're, you're sitting there dressing and acting and posting, trying to make them think. the Many times we have anxiety because we're trying to control something we can't control. And we're trying to control what other people think about us. And you cannot control what other people think about you. But when you try to, you live in anxiety. So the best thing is live your life and let them deal with them. Their thoughts about you do, does not determine anything about your life. Amen. Only your thoughts. So I'll say that again because it's really good. And I had to say it really fast. And I think that's next week's message. But anyways... But here's what I want you to know. They said, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought. Let me say it another way. We think we're grasshoppers, and that's what our enemy thinks we are too. Here's what I want you to know. The reason, the whole reason Israel did not go into the promised land the first time, let me say it another way. The reason a whole generation died off and didn't go into the promised land was because of a thought. And if a thought can keep them out of their promised land, a thought can keep you from your promise. Right? And so we, we have to understand. We have to understand that, that there is a war, but everything starts with a thought. So what do we need? Here's the good news. Y'all ready? What do we need? We need a filter for our thoughts. Like we need a filter for our thoughts. Like I, I just got this picture. Y'all know those survival straws? If you camp or whatever, hike, whatever, you probably know. It's a straw. It's an invention. But you can pretty much stick it in toilet water, and it will purify the water. Now, I know that was a great picture, wasn't it? What y'all having for lunch? <laughs> Chocolate pie? Anyway, I'm sorry. That was too far. Anyways. <laughs> oh, Lord. If you're a guest, I'm not always this way. Sometimes I'm worse. All right. So um, anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, but a survival straw, you can like stick it in the mud, you can stick it in pond water, and it has this filtration system that purifies the water, right? 
And I think we need a survival straw for the thoughts coming in and out of our mind. Um, the, the, the difference, let's go back to the, the difference between Joshua and Caleb was just how they filtered reality. It, was, it wasn't that they saw anything any different. It was just what they thought about it. Their thought was, was based on trust and love and promise. The other 10, their thought was based on sight, fear, and feelings. I'm going to say that again. That was good. Joshua and Caleb, I'm going to come back to this and explain it and somehow make all this make sense in the next five minutes. Jesus, take the wheel. But the difference between Joshua and Caleb is their thoughts, their thoughts were filtered through trust. And I'm going to show you this in a minute. I'm going to show you in the scripture. Trust, love, and promise. The other 10 spies, their thoughts were filtered through sight, fear, and feelings. See, before I, so I'm going to come back to that. So pause right there. Just think about that. And I'll say it all again. And it'll be all right. But you need to understand. The first thing you need to understand when we're talking about mind control is God actually expects you to control your mind. He, he, he cannot control your mind for you. Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and self-control. Self-control. Love, joy. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life is that I start controlling me. Notice the fruit of the Spirit is self-control and not others' control. That's a good word for somebody. You're always going to have anxiety when you're trying to exercise the fruit of the Spirit of others' control. And you're going to have anxiety when you don't exercise the fruit of the Spirit of self-control. So God actually wants you to control your mind. Let me, let me give you a few things, and then we'll work it all out. You cannot control your circumstances, but you can control what you think about them. You'll never be able to control your life if you can't control your thoughts. Um, your success in this spiritual war that we're in really comes down to your ability to control your thoughts. The winner is the one who can control their mind. Um, so let me give you a little neuroscience because I know that's what this morning you have in your coffee and you're like, man, I really hope today he talks about neuroscience. <laughs> so according to brain scientists, right, neuroscience, your brain and your mind are not the same thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> your, your, your mind is your consciousness and the way you think, etc. Your brain is an organ that is programmed. Your brain is actually programmed by your mind. Let me say it another way. Your mind teaches your brain triggers. And triggers hit the... Um, I just went blank. I went to Waterboy. Medulla oblongata. That's not actually in your brain. <laughs> Um, but there's this little amygdala. There's this little part of the brain back here, the amygdala. They call it the lizard brain because it looks about like a lizard brain. And it's about all the brain that a lizard has. But once that's triggered, it shuts down your whole prefrontal cortex, which is your, you know, it's your emotion, your thought, your reasoning, wisdom, 
understanding, knowledge, all that's in your prefrontal. That's why it's so big, prefrontal cortex. When you get triggered, it shuts that down, and the amygdala really is just fight, flight, or freeze. That's all it really knows how to do. And it's there as a safety mechanism because you see a snake, freeze. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, you don't, is that a snake? I don't know. What do I think about snake? You don't have time for all that, man. You're going to get killed, right? So, so it's there for a reason. The problem is um, through experiences, your mind teaches your brain the trigger to engage the amygdala. So your mind programs your brain with the triggers that you have. So we have triggers. I mean, there are good triggers. There are bad triggers, right? Um, I mean, like, for instance, I walk in my mom's house and I smell fresh bread. That's a good trigger. I'm like, Jesus is about to step in this place. We're having communion. We're breaking bread. The Lord is good, right? It's a good trigger. Like I can be in a restaurant, think about bread. I think, oh, you know, I love my mama today. You know what I'm saying to me? It's a good trigger. And then we have bad triggers, right? And, and like if you have PTSD, a lot of our, our men and women in uniform who have served in times of war, fireworks are a bad trigger for them, right? Now it kept them alive in one environment. So their brain, their mind programmed their brain. When you hear this, you better react. But now in a different environment, the trigger is still there. Are you with me? Because the brain's still doing what the brain was programmed to do. So, so you need to understand there's a difference between the mind and the brain. And, and you need to understand that your mind can program your brain. What I mean by that is, according to neuroscience, every thought becomes, we'll say, a tree in your brain. Now, you are programmed for love. You had to learn fear. Here's what science tells us. Every tree, every thought structure in your brain is based in either love or fear. It's the only two that exist. If you think about Scripture, perfect love, cast out fear. I mean, you just think about this, okay? So, so here's what happens. When a thought comes into my mind, I determine if that's going to get implanted in my brain and whether the basis of it is going to be love or fear. There are a lot of people quoting scripture today based in fear. Right? The ba- there are people who pray based in fear. Are you with me? Because their whole thought structure is, oh, you know, little Johnny's not going to make it. God's not going to do this. Or I'm going to, you know, I got this report. And the report's real. That's the thought that comes in. But then I've got to decide, am I going to root this and ground this in love? Or am I going to let it rooted or be grounded in fear? Because once I let it get into the brain, it becomes a thought structure. And it determines not what I think, but how I think. Are you with me? So what we have to do is catch thoughts before they become trees so we control which trees we plant. Are you with me so far? So when Paul is talking, and I want to read verse 16 again, Ephesians 6, 16. But when Paul is talking, he said, above all, take up the shield of faith, because I'm going to give you the filter, okay? Take the shield of faith so it can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What I know is when I was reading that, I'm like, wait a second, that's all one sentence. Like he starts listing pieces of armor and there's like the the belt and the, the breastplate and the shoes. And then he stops and he says, above all, and he says, take the shield and the helmet and the sword. 
The shield and the helmet and the sword. Because he said the shield is your defense against fiery darts. Now, the Roman shield was two and a half foot wide, four and a half foot tall. It was made of lumber or wood. And then it was wrapped in leather. And it had metal to kind of hold it all together. And a, a, a soldier could get all the way behind the shield. Okay? So that's what the shield was. But they would also soak the shield. And I'm going to come back to this. It's going to make sense in just a minute. They would soak the shield in water because they knew fiery darts can't combust on a wet shield. So they would soak the lumber and the leather in water so that when the arrow was hit on the shield, instead of exploding, it would, it would be extinguished. So when I was looking at this, I was like, okay, the shield of faith, okay, the shield of faith. This is what Paul gives us to, to fight against the enemy, the shield of faith. But to me, it was ambiguous. It's like, how, what's the application? Like, I understand the word faith is, I understand what it is in the Greek. I understand it means what, what you believe, what you trust in. And so what I saw was a three layers of filter that all work together. That, that it's not just the shield, but it's reinforced by the helmet and it's reinforced by the sword. So, you know, the shield is faith, what I trust in, what I believe. The helmet is salvation. What's the basis for salvation? Love. For God so loved that he gave, right? The basis of salvation is love, okay? Then I went to the word of God, right? And, and we understand the word of God. But then watch this. So the shield is what? It's faith. It's what I trust in, who I trust in. But the helmet is love. What, what did Paul say? Faith works by love. So the revelation of God's love reinforces faith and makes it work. If I don't believe God loves me, I cannot have faith in him. But then what about the word of God? Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here, here we go, right? So here's this shield, but how does love come or how does faith come by love? All right, let me back up. How does love work or how does faith? Okay, let me start over. I'm trying to go too fast and my brain just won't do it. All right. Because I've already closed this message 12 times and I'm just now giving you this. All right. So, all right. So here's, here's faith. How does faith come? By the word of God. How does faith work? By the love of God. So, if, so here I am. If, if I am going to deal with these fiery darts, go back to Joshua and Caleb. Trust love, promise. When they looked at the same thing that everybody else looked at, they came back saying, I trust God. I know he loves me. I know what his promise is. So any thought that tries to exalt itself against victory is just not allowed. So what would it be like when you have a thought to say, wait a second, who do I trust in? Wait a second, does this, sound, does this sound like faith? Does this sound like it's based and rooted in love? And does this sound like it's congruent with the word of God? And if it's not, I'm going to push it out and realize that's a fiery dart. I'm telling you, this will, listen, this is what I do. This is my secret sauce I have for you today. It's better than sweet baby rays, okay? 
is that in this world, we have thoughts. Today, you're going to get a phone call, you're going to get a text, you're going to turn on Instagram, you're going to turn on Fox News, CNN, whatever it is, and thoughts are going to come. And you come back and say, wait a second. My trust is not in me, not in this. Not. My trust is in God. God loves me. Here's God's promise to me. And so if I'm going to accept a thought, it has to check all three of these boxes. It has to say it's rooted in faith grounded in love and based on promise. And if it's not rooted in faith, grounded in love, based on promise, it's a dart. And if it's a dart, I'm just going to get rid of it. Are you with me? All right, stand, because we got to get out of here because I'm in trouble. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and we're going to move quickly because we've got to get our kids and I'm going to be in trouble and I'm sorry and it's my fault. But I, got, I had to get you to this place. I feel like the Holy Spirit today really just wants to expose the enemy and that's what I'm going to pray over us. And then if you want prayer individually, we have people here obviously to serve you in that way. But I'm going to pray the enemy's strategy as you're asking yourself, if I were the devil, how would I attack me? I'm just going to pray his strategy, especially around mental issues, would be revealed. And so if you bow your heads just for a minute, Holy Spirit, we know you're active in this room and you've already been working to heal hearts. But I pray right now, God, the strategy of the enemy would be revealed in the lives of the people present in this room. God, the strategy of the enemy would be revealed. And so, Lord, right now, I, I, I want them to hear that they're not crazy, that, that there is a devil. There's a devil attacking our brains. And while not everything is his fault, God, because we do war against the world, we do war against our own flesh. God, many times there's a spiritual solution today. So, Holy Spirit, just as Paul said, be renewed in the spirit of our mind. God, I pray today people will be renewed in the spirit of their mind. God, that supernaturally you would expose lies and thought processes that are keeping people bound. Mindsets that are keeping people bound. Voices that are keeping people stuck. God, I pray you would expose it today. And God, maybe you already have as we're talking, but even now, God, show them where the enemy is at work in their life. God, show them. You said we're, 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 we, we know his strategies we understand the devices that he used. That's the word of God. So God, give us that knowledge and understanding today of how the enemy is warring against us. And God, I just pray bring freedom and deliverance. God, I just pray addictions would be broken. Suicidal thoughts would be broken. God, anxiety and fear. God, you're not giving us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind be broken. God, depression. God, you're not giving us God said, you give us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. God, just be broken. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray. If you need prayer today, um, we want to pray for you. If you need prayer, everybody else, that's, God bless you. If you have kids, please hurry and get them. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're working on it, but, um, but I, I couldn't miss point three, so I couldn't cut it out. But we love you. God bless you. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Um, and uh, we will see you next weekend. God bless you.